Hey, Skaters fans, on our first ever episode of Down in Sugarland, we are going to talk about the new renovations at Constellation Field, our new schedule and our new divisions in the AAA West. We have an interview with the great Julia Morales, and we'll finish off our first episode with a little happy hour. Hit the music, Troy. Looking to relocate? Then contact Nick DeRose for any of your real estate needs in the Dallas Metroplex area. For more information, give them a call at 512-905-0763. DeRose Dallas Realty. Cowboy by nature. Agent by trade. So we are now officially the AAA affiliate of the Houston Astros. And it, and it seemed like one of the first things that happened overnight was that Constellation Field has begun a renovation project. And there are so many different... Uh, avenues we can go down here and Brandon we're just gonna we're gonna talk about some of the new additions to the ballpark and I think the biggest thing that's going to change to the park and unfortunately a lot of fans may not see this we'll obviously do our best to post post on social media but is the clubhouse and how many different changes are coming to that it was incredible I mean they, they completely renovated everything out like it was just hollowed out completely but some of the new stuff that they're adding like I hear they're adding in new kitchens and stuff like that uh, a humongous weight room, new athletic training room, video rooms to go over pitching, hitting, etc. And then uh, I know they're also adding in female locker rooms as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea is that this is supposed to be a major league quality clubhouse. And some of it is major league baseball, um, you know, mandated. And some things like the kitchen was, were, was just strictly Jim Crane wanted his players to feel like they were getting a Minute Maid Park experience. And I mean, to, to see what it was like before to what it's going to be now, I mean, it, it really just takes your breath away. And it, it really seems like it happened overnight. I mean, we found out, you know, in November that, you know, we were the AAA affiliate, and then January it became official. And then even before that, though, I mean, they're resodding the field. There's so many different things going on. And like you mentioned, yes, the, the batting cages that are now going to be retractable that they can use for infield work. And also the batting cages are going to be air-conditioned now, which I know for the players is a very big relief. Um, female locker rooms, there, there are female coaches and umpires that we have to accommodate as well. Um, there's also some, some changes going on to the field of play that you will, as a fan, you will for sure see this year. Now, I know that they're doing something different in the outfield first, right? Like, I hear they're changing up the bullpens, and they're going to stack them, right? It's going to look a little bit like Petco Park. Yeah, if you've ever seen Petco Park, if you look in the left center, there's the home bullpen is facing the wall. So if you had a home run and that just barely clears the wall, it would hit to the home bullpen, but about seven feet back. And then with a little wall and a little barrier and a step, almost like a staircase, there's the visitor bullpen behind it. And that is now what it will look like at constellation field because they're stacking the bullpens like that. They had to move the fences in. So what was once a 348 foot fence is now going to be 323 feet from home plate. Now, what's interesting about that. And I know that's what you're talking about. Kind of the change of field to play there is that even though it's going from 348 to 323, yes, a huge, humongous difference, but a big problem was the wind that would come off the gulf. And they were saying that like 348 actually played more like 360 in the previous one, and you add an extra 15 feet because of that wind. So 323, it still stretches out to about 335, so still a favorable right field porch for pitchers. Yeah, especially in what was formerly the Pacific Coast League. Now it's AAA West. We'll get into that later. But a lot of these ballparks, because of altitude and whatnot, play very hitter-friendly. Our park is still going to play pretty pitcher-friendly. Um, they did a study, and yes, Brandon hit it on the head. The 348, which to me seems kind of deep already for Absolutely. right field, played 360 because the, the gulf winds blow right in from right center. So 
I mean, you re- if if you're hitting a ball 360 feet off the foul pole, that is a poke. Like it's a you have to get a hold of it. I mean, and and the thing is, they mentioned a lot of hitters would feel that wind coming off that golf, so they could feel it right there in their fence or fence right there in their face. So that's going to be a big change right there to the fence. You're going to be noticing that as well. But I noticed a lot of MLB parks; they're starting to put netting around basically all the seating area. Are we going to do something like that? Absolutely. So that, you know, and for me kind of personally, I just, I can't see why you don't do this is we'll be netting around the entire seating bowl. So whether you're sitting down the third baseline above the dugout, because our field is pretty intimate. If you, I mean, you only really have a field level, you are protected by this net. The cool thing though, too, is that parts of the net are detachable. So I know autographs in minor league baseball are pretty synonymous they will be able to detach this net. Now, I can't guarantee that'll happen this year because autographs, that that's a different story when it comes to health and safety guidelines. But these nets are detachable. So maybe, like let's say, at worst 2022, you want to get your autograph from your Astros prospect, they'll be able to do that before the game starts. So are there going to be, now that we're doing everything in the outfield, are they going to change up any possible fan zones? Uh, that I mean, that really was the one of the cruxes of changing what happens in right field. I mean, removing the fences and stacking the bullpens, but they wanted to stack the bullpens so they could add this cool fan amenity zone in right center field. If you go to Minute Maid Park, very similar. I mean, think about the look it has out there. This is an area where they might have some four top seating. Um, you know, you go out there, you buy a ticket. And the cool thing is, is you get to watch the pitcher warm up. I mean, you're right there on the action and you're also getting an outfield seat. You're right on the wall, a very unique uh, perspective. Uh, this will be something that is in play for 2021, and it'll improve as the years go on. So to build off what you're saying about it, I when you look out there, it's amazing because it's actually tunneled underneath the Bud Light Ice House. So these seats, you're going to be literally on field when it's mentioned like that. And when Ryan's talking about the warm-up pitcher, when you turn and look, there's like a screen mesh. So say whoever's warming up, you're kind of standing behind them, and you can watch a real pitcher right there warming up in front of you. So not only you feel level with all the players, but you're also kind of like the pitching coach just right behind his yeah. shoulder talking to a guy warming up, like talking about an incredible seat. Absolutely. And just imagine, you know, a day where a, a, a guy comes in for a rehab assignment and yeah. you're getting to sit hurt Verlander right got next hurt. to him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's a possibility this year. I mean, we'll see how that goes, but I mean, so right. And the intimacy, which is such a trademark of minor league baseball. I think this is another way to add on that, but Brandon, you know, as we get ready to end this, this segment here, What's what's one addition that maybe is probably for sure not going to happen this year that if you had your own ballpark, if it was Brandon MacArthur Park, what would you add to it? So for everybody that's come out here, you've seen our massive Texas scoreboard out there in center field. And you can actually climb up there in terms if you have to work on the screen itself. But I think the best view would be just two seats, top of that scoreboard, <laughs> seatbelt yourself in, and get the best view of baseball uh, and Sugarland in the greater Houston area. Sell it as thrill seats. I don't see a problem with this at all. Well, here's one problem. So I'm afraid of heights. If I'm up there, you would just hear me squealing the entire game. Get me down. Get me down. <laughs> oh, man. I I love Bernie Brewer uh, at Miller Park when the, the Brewers hit a home run. Bernie Brewer goes down a slide, which actually I saw that they, they like updated it for this year, but that's another. We can talk about that at a different time. But 
I would love if they propelled Bernie Brewer like Evel Knievel across the field and he somehow somersaulted into like a platform. So get Swatson to do all this. I think yes. uh, between my thrill seats and Swatson going down some exciting slides, our insurance bill will be uh, going up pretty soon. Yeah, HR is going to want to have a word with us. Well, when we come back here in a moment, we will talk about the new schedule we have. It's already had a wrinkle to it since it first got released. Our new divisions and the new teams we'll be playing. You're listening to Down in Sugarland. All right, so pretty exciting news. We have our schedule for the upcoming year. One quick change is we were originally scheduled to start on April 6th. We will now start on May 6th. Our first home game at Constellation Field as a AAA affiliate is on May 20th. We are in the AAA West uh, League, and we're in the East Division of AAA West, which is, yes, rather confusing. We'll have fun with that all year long. Troy, who are we playing in the East Division of AAA West? Okay, in the East Division of the AAA West, we have the Albuquerque Isotopes. Those are the Colorado Rockies affiliate. The El Paso Chihuahuas. They're with the San Diego Padres. Oklahoma City Dodgers. They're with the Dodgers. Yep, you got that one right. (laughs) Um, The Round Rock Express. They are with the Texas Rangers. And then us, the Sugarland Skeeters. So that's the East Division. We will also play some of the teams in that West Division of AAA West. Again, yes, very confusing, but... Because of the schedule change and the delay from April 6th to May 6th, we were going to play the Reno Aces, followed by the Sacramento Rivercats. We won't play either of those teams now. There are still a handful of teams in that uh, Western Division we'll play. Brandon, what are some things that jump out at you here as you see the schedule are first as the Astros AAA affiliate? So one thing that's exciting is going to be establishing the rivalry with the Round Rock Express. Rangers, Astros... They're in our backyard. I know the El Paso Chihuahuas are also a Texas team, but that's a little far west <laughs> for them to be considered in the true sense of a rivalry. But one thing that I kind of have a bone to pick is that in this six times that we will play Round Rock Express, they come here only once. We go to them five different times. So I think as a show with all the listeners and Skeeter fans, we need to set up one day where we go to them and we bring the crowd to kind of make up for the lack of home games that we're going to get. I, I, I love that. I mean, Dull Diamond is a beautiful facility. We played the Round Rock Express uh, 30 times this year. We were originally scheduled to play them 36 times, which was more than any team in our division. And I think you're right. It's nice that, you know, coming from the Skeeters where we didn't really have a geographic rival as an independent team, we now have a built-in geographic rival, Round Rock Express, the Sugarland Skeeters. I mean, just a two-and-a-half-hour drive away. That'll be a lot a lot of fun this year, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we get up to Dell Diamond at some point this year. Well, because, I mean, it's st- they have what? It's the uh, the silver boot is what whoever wins between the Astros yes, and Rangers. Correct. So we need to create something like that of a trophy of our own. But I know as a fan, that's going to be the game I'm going to be the most rowdy for, the one I get up for the most, because I'm already an Astros fan going against the Rangers. Of course I want to hate on them. So why wouldn't I want to translate that to the AAA teams as well? I think what's interesting, though, is the fact that if we do go there and we make our presence known, I think that's our biggest way we can make a mark in this league is to be known as the team that, oh, their fans travel. No, and I think you make a great point there. There's already a built-in rivalry by the affiliates, which is kind of tough to have. I mean, you have the geographical rival, and you also have the affiliation rival. So I think it's the perfect melting pot here to have something pretty cool happening this year. Um, one thing, though, you know, we won't face any of those 20 teams in the East Division, you know, in past they've had the AAA World Series. Um, in the AAA East Divi- uh, League has some teams that used to be in the Pacific Coast League, like the uh, the Nashville Sounds and the Memphis Redbirds. I mean, there's a few teams, so uh, none of those this year. But a couple teams from that 
Western Division, Tacoma Rainiers with the Seattle Mariners, the Las Vegas Aviators. I think it's going to be so cool to, I mean, everything we do for this year is the first time. I think that's amazing. No, then the Rainiers are a historic team. I mean, they've been around since father time. So that's going to be something that will be awesome to really see them live. But one thing, you know, we mentioned in one of the first segments about right field moving in, and this is still going to play as a pitcher's park. That's totally opposite when we're on the road. Correct, Outside yeah. of Dell Diamond, where they're going to play pretty similar to us in terms of it being a quote-unquote pitcher's park, everywhere else, you're talking elevation. Las Vegas, Salt Lake, Washington, etc. So this is going to be one thing for, it's going to look great for our hitters, but it might not look so pretty for our pitchers if you look at their splits home and road. Yeah, that's something, and they, they the the guys, you know, in the in the the people in the front office at the baseball operations level, they look at things like exit velocity. I know people kind of get, you know, they're always kind of like smirking an eyebrow at that. I mean, there's reasons that they use those outside stats to measure players. It's because of that very reason. I mean, all parks, there's park factors. They play differently, and uh, I mean, the Rainiers in particular, a uh, couple really good pro- prospects we could see come out here in Sugarland: Jerry Kalanick, Julio, Julio Rodriguez couple of guys who I'm personally really excited to see play maybe before they go to the show. There's a chance that, especially in Kellenick's face, uh, case, that he might already be in the show by that point. Um, but, you know, we're starting on May 6th against the Albuquerque Isotopes in Albuquerque, and then they come May 20th against the El Paso Chihuahuas here at home. That's our first ever AAA game. Albuquerque is the team we will see the most here at home as we play three series against them, and then I believe it's the Dodgers with two, followed by the Chihuahuas with two as well. So at least we'll still get a good showing between that OKC and also a little bit of El Paso, so you'll still get some geographical sense of a rivalry, but I guess we're going to have to start aiding on the isotopes pretty quickly since they're going to be the team we face the most. Yeah, they're the the Rockies affiliate, um, and I mean, and I still think that 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 rivalry with Round Rock it's going to be so cool. I mean, I, and hopefully, you know, we'll see how where we're at with how many fans are allowed in the park to begin the year. We'll see how that goes on. I mean, there's a lot, a lot in play for that, and you know, just make sure you follow us on social media, and we'll always keep you updated with whatever's going on. And you know, pretty exciting too. We've got season tickets, you know, deposits officially on sale, a hundred dollars. You can put your deposit down, and I mean, that's your best way to put yourself at the front of the line. Um, and we're expecting a lot of fans this year. I mean, just the general excitement. I mean, there's only one AAA team, Brandon, that's actually closer in proximity to their parent team than we are. And that's St. Paul Saints, which ironically or coincidentally, whatever you want to call it, is the only one of the only other independent teams that has ever made this jump. Yeah, they're the same kind of story that we are to the Minnesota Twins up there in Minnesota at St. Paul, like you just mentioned. And I know you're talking about tickets and securing those. And for those that are wondering, I believe the Round Rock Express is June 10th through the 15th or 16th on the schedule in terms of when they're coming into town. So if you're somebody that's listening in, you, you're getting a head up early to jump in and try to get those tickets secured. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's so many implications of that rivalry. Just thinking about being, hey, I was at that first time the Skeeters played the Round Rock Express. I mean, indiv- individual tickets are not yet on sale, but if you go to SugarlandSkeeters.com, you know, place your season ticket deposits. There's, there's so many great prospects coming through this Astro system. Um, you know, you, you might catch a guy, you're going to catch a guy before he goes in the major leagues. You might catch a guy in a rehab assignment. There's so many reasons to get those tickets. And I also think fans should start thinking creatively and start to decide what kind of trophy we should split between those two teams. Have them decide what's going to be Good fought point. amongst them and kind of get something thrown into that. I think the only way we're going to do that is if we make our presence felt in all these other ballparks as well. I mean, it's got to be something Texas related. I think that's where you got to That's where we got to start. I mean, you got Round Rock outside of Austin, Sugar Land outside of Houston. That's a great do we do the cliche bronze boot? Do we just go a step down from thought. silver? I don't know, man. That was my first thought. But, I mean, I love it, too, because 
how there's no rivalry between a, a Houston and an Austin team. There's really there's no like power like in the top five professional sports teams. Like there's no minor league baseball is the, it's the only sport in that town. So I think this is a very unique opportunity. I mean, they obviously have the University of Texas, and we'll hear it with Julia Morales' interview. I mean, she's got a special connection to that university as well, but. Really, I mean, this is a very unique opportunity to make a rivalry here. And what will be nice is at least it's another town that you would be down to road trip to, to make a of weekend course. out of it, because it's nice to go to Austin for a little bit. Same way that it's going to be nice to come to the Houston area as well for our games. I think it's going to be a situation you're going to see both teams travel, and this could be turning into something fun, especially with us signing a 10-year contract. All right, Troy, one more time. So give me the, the four other teams, not the Skeeters, that are located in the AAA East division of AAA West. Okay, we got the Albuquerque Isotopes, El Paso Chihuahuas, uh, Oklahoma City Dodgers, and the Round Rock Express. Beautifully done by producer Troy right there. Well, one last time, we do will open on... Oh, you did, you did great, bro. You did great. <laughs> on May 6th, we'll open against the Albuquerque Isotopes out there in New Mexico. Then on May 20th is the first ever AAA game at Constellation Field where we will host the El Paso Chihuahuas for a six-game series. And when we come back, an interview with the Julia Morales you're going to want to listen to. Stay tuned here to Down in Sugarland. Looking to relocate? Then contact Nick DeRose for any of your real estate needs in the Dallas Metroplex area. For more information, give them a call at 512-905-0763. DeRose Dallas Realty. Cowboy by nature. Agent by trade. All right, welcome back to Down in Sugarland. We are joined by the one and only Julia Morales of AT&T Sportsnet Southwest. Julia, thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Yeah, talk baseball, no problem. <laughs> I'm always down. Absolutely. <laughs> and I know we're all really excited now that kind of be a part of this Astros family as the AAA affiliate. Uh, what, what was your reaction when you found out that the Skeeters were indeed going to be the Astros AAA affiliate? So this is a, this is fun because it's been rumored for years. You know, I mean, it's always been kind of out there in the universe and people are like, what if? And um, so for it to finally all come into fruition, for it to happen uh, was was exciting. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. The Round Rock Express will always hold a, a dear place in my heart. I love the relationship there. Um, because I met my husband there. And so my, you know, my, my life as I know it now kind of started at that place. I'm, I uh, worked in Austin. I covered that team. Um, it's kind of how I got my job with the Astros. So I do have a, you know, great appreciation for them and what they do over there, but heck yeah, I'm so <laughs> excited for, uh, you know, Sugarland to be a part of the family now for to, to get to a triple a baseball game that I'm dying to go back. And if there's an off day, you better believe I'm coming. So somebody <laughs> save me tickets. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. Um. <laughs> yeah, we'll make, we'll make sure you have a spot. So you, you joined the Astros broadcast team in 2013. And, and one of the most important parts of your job, I can imagine also being one of the more difficult parts is developing those relationships with players. You know, when you were starting out, how did you go about that? What were some of the difficulties and, you know, how did you overcome them? So I was a little nervous coming in. However, that team was built of guys who were kind of feeling the same about, you know, the, the, <laughs> their major league career. Like some of them were just really nervous to be there. Um, some of them, all they wanted to do was stay. Uh, they were just though they were guys who probably weren't going to get an opportunity on another major league ball club, just because of where the organization was at that time. They just traded off a ton of guys. Um, of course there was Jose Altuve in the clubhouse, um, but there, you know, <laughs> that, that's it. That's all that's <laughs> left from, from yeah. back in the day. Um, you know, and I, and I, I say that jokingly, but Dallas Keuchel was coming. Um, Brad, Brad Peacock was actually there. 
uh, and just trying to come up, but they were trying to find themselves. They were trying to become big leaguers. They weren't big leaguers yet. And so my timing was great in that we were all getting to know the big leagues together. We were all kind of, you know, figuring it out. And, and Bud Norris was one of the veterans on the, on the team. I mean, he, he wasn't there that long uh, afterwards. He ended up being traded, but he was kind of putting us all in our place. And he was that guy that was, was barking at us, you know, <laughs> get in the back of the bus and, and sit down and shut up and, and, you know, doing it in that loving way. You hear about the, the, the guy, the veteran guys that are teaching the rookies the way, but that I was kind of falling into that too. I was just like, okay, where do, where do I need to go? What do I not need to do? Um, <laughs> yeah. What are the rules, the unwritten rules? Um, so anyway, I, I have to give credit to the fact that I showed up at a time where, you know, not a lot of people were, were tuned into us every single day. Um, I did have the chance to build relationships and, and talk to these guys that like there were just wasn't a big magnifying glass on them at the time. Mm-hmm. They, you know, and so the Jose Altuve's everybody knew who he was at the time, but not everyone was following his every, every move. And and he was available to talk to me because there wasn't a ton of media in the club, in the clubhouse. Um, so that's what I mean by that. Um, other than that, you know, it's just as, as the years went on, I started to, you know, figure out myself. I, it was hard. I'm not going to lie to, to be a female and be the only female on the plane, on the bus. Um, I did have to figure out, you know, what is too much? Like, you know, if, if there's a conversation going and do I, do I jump in? Do I stay out of it? I mean, there was a lot of that of just like, I didn't want to, didn't want to step on toes. Um, didn't want to come across the wrong way. Wanted to be uber professional. I mean, that was, that was a big fear of mine coming in just because I was getting this really great opportunity and I just did not want it taken away. So I was ha- having to be very careful in the beginning. And once I felt good in my own skin and once I was doing stories and people um, knew that I was there, knew that I was a part of the team, knew that I wasn't going to um, try to break news. That wasn't my job, but my job was to tell the stories during the broadcast. And um, I was more comfortable. I, you know, I was more myself. Then I could, then I met all their families. That's the other thing. When you, we have a young group and, and guys are coming in and making their debuts, I met all their families. I met their girlfriends who are now their wives and now they have kids. Um, so, you know, that's just, that's how, you know, like you mm-hmm. asked, how do I build these relationships? That's how. Um, and, and, and then, you know, it's just being there every day. This is nine years now. Um, I, you know, Astros fans know when they tune in, they're, they're probably going to see me. It's probably going to see the redheaded girl talking at the beginning of the broadcast. And I'm going to jump in with a couple of stories. It's, it's just, I've become part of the family and I absolutely love that. And I, I don't take it for granted because it's, it's really, really, really special to me. Yeah, no, I mean, that's an incredible talent too, to be able to like story tell, relate. And like you said, be able to know when to interject and talk to them and leave them mm-hmm. alone. That's, that's, that's amazing. Um, so one of the things kind of going a little bit off the wall here, if we have this correct, you were on the sideline as a cheerleader for the university of Texas during that 2005 national championship game. Is, yes. is that correct? Yes. Welcome. <laughs> nice. Welcome. Yeah. What no, was, I'm a big like? So I apologize. So, I mean, I'm probably Aggies are like exit. How do I get out of this? I'm done listening. <laughs> no, I, mean, <laughs> no gotta... I have love for everyone. I am, I am not a, a hateful fan. I do like to poke fun and, and have, you know, I'm, I'm a Texan. Like that's what we do. We, we talk yeah. trash to everyone else, but all in good fun. Absolutely. Good fun. What was that experience like? I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's one of the most like iconic yeah. cultural games and where were you obviously during that big touchdown like when Vince Young scored like where where were you the opposite side oh no you know which is fine which is fine I was in the building um, yeah my my I'm telling you he crossed I was like I didn't even really see it because it was on the other side but you felt it you know you you Mm -hmm. saw the all the players run that way you saw Vince obviously run that way but like you didn't even need to see it the whole 
well, everyone in burnt orange, not the <laughs> USC people, but yeah. like everyone just like lifted off the ground. And then we just hovered like no one's feet touched the ground for a good <laughs> hour. I swear. Like we were all just levitating. Like we, we just, it was incredible. Incredible. That was the nuttiest game. Um, I still have anxiety. I watch it every once in a while. They'll play it on ESPN or something and I watch it and it, I still get anxiety and there's still plays where I'm like, ah, you know, yeah. I, know I know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, just incredible. The whole year was fun. I, you know, I will say, so I was a, I was Palm, um, Texas Palm, which means I was more of the dancing side. The girls that wear chaps is usually how people describe us, which, you know, whatever. Uh, we do wear chaps. Yes. But, uh, but we dance. We're very talented dancers as well. We've got, so we're at the end, you know, in the end zone and we do the fight song and it's a whole dance and there's a high kick and all this stuff. So you have to do that every time the that Longhorns score a touchdown um and then sometimes there's other dances that we do for first downs and all this stuff I was exhausted that year every Saturday was like <laughs> oh here we go again and yep. like you know it, it's summer until basically December in Austin and it's just hot and who knows what party I was at the night before because I was 21 years old <laughs> so I was you know I could responsibly drink have a drink um but you know it's like you're a college kid you're probably up too late you show up the next morning, you got to be at all these pep rallies. And then Vince Young is going to throw 70 something on the, on the red Raiders, you know? And like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was so fun. I wish I could relive that whole year. Um, they were just so good. That's, the good old yeah. days. And I tell people all the time, like that was the greatest game I'd ever seen in my entire life. Cause I've watched a lot of sports in my time until I saw game five of the, of the world series in 2017. And, and now I'm like, okay, they're both <laughs> like, they're up there. It's a tie. It's a tie for me. Man, that that's so crazy. That's like that's like one of the say one of the most iconic college football games. It is the thing you're you're right there on the sideline. That's that's so cool. Um, and I know you know we signed Michael Brantley this offseason. That was a pretty big deal for the Astros. And but I yeah. think there's an argument to be made. The biggest acquisition to the Astros family in 2020 was the birth of your daughter. And I know everyone Yay. was really excited about that. <laughs> and I kind of wanted to like how how was that navigating you know pregnancy oh. during a pandemic? You're also maintaining your job with the Astros and AT and T and I guess also too, Crazy. like how have the first five months of motherhood been? Crazy. They've been great. Thank you for asking and even bringing her up. She's the coolest thing ever. I'm so obsessed with her. I went to spring training last year knowing that I was pregnant, but I was very early and um, wasn't telling anyone. And I did, I do all these sit down interviews with guys usually. Um, and I spend, you know, 10, 15, sometimes 20 minutes sitting there with them. And this is six o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, like you mentioned to Michael Brantley, I remember being being there with Michael Brantley and asking all these questions and having the greatest time but but I wanted to puke so bad um because of the morning sickness like every interview I did I was just green like I know they noticed something like they had to know that something was going on with me because I was you know I'm like smiling but you're not really smiling you're like gritting your teeth like I was sick as a dog last spring training but absolutely worth it actually you know I got better Um, the pandemic hit I was sent home and then we didn't do anything so I had I was pregnant at home with my husband. Um, we did a lot of walking and, you know, just spending time outdoors and, and trying not to get anxious over things that we couldn't control. And, um, and it was smooth. I mean, to be quite honest with, you know, the pregnancy part of it was smooth. Once the season started, I was big and pregnant. So it was funny because I, I wasn't even able to come on, you know, like I thought I was going to show up in March and April and announce, and then, you know, people would see me grow over the year you know, and kind of be with me like that mm-hmm. in my head. That's how it was all going to go. Cause I was due at the, I was due on the 
the last day of the regular season wow. for the Astros. So it was this is just like a, a fun, you know, I was like, we're gonna have some fun with this. However, it didn't happen that way. Our first game was in July. And by that point, I'm showing, um, you know, I'm well into the pregnancy. And so when I popped up on that first broadcast and I turned to the side, I'm sure viewers were like, what? Like, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Um, but gosh, people were so great. Fans were so great. I did leave, uh, I'd left probably about a week before the season was over and had her just a few days early. And, uh, and it's been great ever since. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I cannot wait to put her in Astros gear and take her to a game. We're, we're just, it's going to be so much fun. Absolutely. It sounds like she can hear you talking about her in the background there. <laughs> no, sorry. Mom <laughs> no, I love it. Um, you mentioned that you met your husband, Matt Clark, you met him at Round Rock and, uh, I kind of wanted to, to know, I mean, you, you spend so much time around baseball players and I know he's still, you know, playing as a professional. How does like your experience dealing with guys like, you know, like Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, et cetera, maybe help him as he kind of navigates his own career? Yeah, he's been, oh my gosh, my husband's career has been crazy. Um, he's played everywhere. <laughs> he's been doing this for a long time, played at LSU. Um, we met before I had the job with the Astros. He was, I met through his dad. His dad was the pitching coach for the Round Rock Express, going back to why I find that place so special. Mm -hmm. My father-in-law um, is the one that introduced us. And so that's how we came to to meet and eventually date and then get married. But um, but yeah, so Matt's had some, you know, he's played with a lot of guys. Um, and now in, in my job, now he works out with a lot of guys in Houston and he has so many great connections and relationships. And, you know, it's it's funny. They just they they get it. You know, ballplayers just get mm -hmm. ballplayers. And so they play a lot of golf in the offseason. I mean, he's just come to have some really great friends and, and friendships through all this. We hope you guys are enjoying this Down in Sugarland interview with Julia Morales. We've definitely got some great questions and content coming up here. But one of the things we wanted to talk to Julia about was her involvement with an organization called Houston Pets Alive. Uh, Julia, uh, like myself here in, on this broadcast booth, like we like to foster dogs and, you know, do what we can for our community in that regard. It's a, it's a difficult process. I, I actually foster failed, but she actually has fostered dogs throughout each offseason. So we wanted to talk to her a little bit about that and her involvement with Houston Pets Alive. Houston Pets Alive, I've been on the board with them now since 2018. And uh, very near and dear to my heart, we, we do some great work. It's a no-kill organization in Houston. Um, we just basically pulled dogs from the euthanasia list uh, in the city of Houston. And then from there, we try to find them fosters and, and just homes, try to, you know, give them one last chance at life. Um, so, yeah, thanks for allowing me to, to shout out Houston Pets Live. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I have a lot of respect for for doing that. And like, I, I, was my, I was definitely tearing up when, like, we had our dog go just meet the, the prospective family, I'm like, nope, 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 not doing this. This is not going to happen. Uh, keeping, <laughs> keeping them for sure. Um, uh, yeah, foster fail. <laughs> exactly. Um, Knew it was going to happen. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, reporters like yourself and, and Emily Jones of the Rangers, like you guys do such a, a great and fantastic job at your reporting job. Um, and how, how proud does it make you to know that your daughter now will have all of this, you know, these clips of you being so prolific at your job? And you kind of touched on it earlier. It's a job that, you know, it's, it's traditionally a male-dominated workforce. So how proud does it make you to know she's going to be able to see her mom being so great at her job in that, in this industry? Man. Yeah. That one hits the, that one hits all or pulls all the heartstrings. Um, and I, you know, I've gotten a couple of questions on it so far since she's been alive and it's like, wow. I mean, I, the whole motherhood thing is nuts and, and anyone out there that's a parent is going to get it. Um, Cause you know, it just kind of hits you like a ton of bricks. Mm. You don't really know what you're in for. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have all these new feels and like, what am I supposed to do with these emotions? And, mm -hmm. um, but no, it's, it's, in, it's incredible. I mean, it really is. And it's like a whole, I don't know, working, working is different now. Like there's something different about it, knowing that she'll be able to watch it or she'll, you know, one day know what I 
what I was doing. I don't know how long I'll do this. I don't know how long I'll be mm-hmm. the Astro sideline reporter. Um, but this is definitely going to be, you know, the beginning of her life and, and what we were doing then. And, and I'm very proud of, of that. So yeah, I'm, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to think just how much the world has changed since I got into the industry and how many jobs were available to women back then. And, and now there's, they're, they're kind of everywhere, you know, we're in it now. And, and you, you see us popping up all over the place, not even just in sports, just to, you know, across the world. Absolutely. So very proud, very proud of that and excited for her to hopefully one day just hear some stories. You know, I, I can't wait to tell her some of the stories, especially when you know, she comes along and then when we start taking her to games and it's, it's going to be really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. That, you're definitely going to have a lot of amazing stories to tell her. I'm sure. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you, you've had a few different broadcast partners during your time with the Astros, but you know, now you're with, with talk house and Jeff Blum. How quickly did you guys develop a chemistry and what's that relationship like with them? Oh, the best. I mean, what you see is exactly what we are. I mean, we're so genuine. That's, I mean, we, we should probably have some kind of a podcast or something <laughs> just because so, so people would understand it. I mean, that's yeah. exact. we are the same. We love calling baseball games and we really like hanging out with each other. And I mean, we're just, we're family and we've really become family. I mean, I, I lean on those guys. Blummer was like somebody I called during the the crazy freeze that we had just not too long ago. I mean, I was panicking. We didn't have electricity or water for several, several days. And I've got a newborn and I'm like, help. I mean, that, that they're that kind of friends, you know I mean? They're, they're people that you trust. So when I first got the job, I have to give a shout out to Bill Brown, who's, you know, the greatest ever um, calling all those games for so long, but he was so welcoming to me and he brought me onto that broadcast and he was quick to just bring me in, open her mic, ask me questions. So <laughs> fans would get to know me. So people were very, I mean, they were, I don't know. I was, if Bill Brown was going to be okay with me being there, then everybody else was, you know, and it's like, it was that kind of feel. And so thankful for him. Um, and we, and we had our own fun chemistry, um, but then, you know, he retired. And so Todd Callis comes in and we love Todd from afar when he was a Tampa, he was, he is seriously one of the nicest humans on the, on the earth. And, um, and we knew that about him and, and Blummer actually played while Todd was calling games for Tampa. So they knew each other from back when, and, and Todd was always very nice when it came to Tampa. I mean, he's just the best and everybody loves Todd. Right. So he joins our family. I mean, it was yeah. perfect. <laughs> like we, we didn't skip a beat. Um, we very quickly, we, you know, we had our own chemistry, but we also had the greatest team of all time to call in the 2017 world, you know, the yeah. world series champions. And then the team was good, has been good every year. So we've just had a lot of fun and we've, we've been goofy on the air. We've, you know, we've been crazy on our, our West coast games. And, and I think, but that's just who we are. I mean, you know, we're not trying to, when we're tired and delirious, you're going to hear it. You know, it's, yeah, it's like exactly. we're not, not going to fake things. And if, if things aren't going great, like we might take off on a tangent, but, but at the end of the day, we love, um, we love the Astros fans. We love interacting with the fans. And so um, it's just, I, I mean, I Todd and Blummer, they just, they get it and they don't have to be that way. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a job that's very time consuming during the season and, and you can very well just kind of get lost in your work, but they do a good job of, of making sure they're, they're including everyone and, and always hearing back from the fans. And, and of course, you know, hearing from me and making sure I'm included. It's, a, it's yeah. a little, it's a great working relationship we have. Awesome. Awesome. Just a couple more here. Um, what, I saw you, you know, you bounced around a few different TV stations before you, you landed with the Astros. You know, what, when did you develop a love for journalism reporting uh, and how, how'd you go about that? When I was little, I was really little. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually just saw something this morning. Um, it was the 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know how old you are, <laughs> but you're probably too young to have watched that cartoon. But um, April was she she was she was cool and I wanted to be her. And what was I six years old <laughs> for those of you who are like, what are the Ninja Turtles? Please tell me people know who the Ninja Turtles are. I think, I'm going to feel really old. Yeah. I think they'll know. I but mean, like, I, I can't cartoon. say I watched it a lot, but I think at least like everyone's got a little awareness about the Ninja Turtles. No okay, doubt. Okay. Cause I was about to feel really old. My brother loved them. I have a younger brother and loved them. So uh-huh. we watched a lot of it. But anyway, um, April was a journalist. And so I wanted to be a journalist. Uh, when I was a kid like that was something, but anyway, um, Seriously, though, when I when my dad ran for U.S. Senate in 1996 and was on the campaign trail, I really it was eye opening to see the the media and journalists and reporters coming in and out of our home. And they did photo shoots in our front yard. And then we went to election parties and there were news reporters that you know had live shots. And, and so that opened my eyes to that world. Um, and and I loved it. And I loved that idea. I was always on stage performing, uh, you know, dance and I was a cheerleader and I played sports. And so I kind of put all of that together at the end. I didn't know that I wanted to be a sports reporter because I didn't know that was an option until later until I was in college. Um, but then when I found that out, I was like, well, never going back. Like, I'm not yeah. <laughs> like, why would I cover the news when I could cover a high school football game, you know? And, yeah. um, and so I worked hard for that. And and I've been lucky to stay in, to start in sports and stay in sports. That's really, really hard to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's where it all started. Nice. Well, thank goodness for the Ninja Turtles because without that, we would not have <laughs> Julie Morales on these Astros broadcasts. Shout out to April. Yeah, there we go. Fictional character. <laughs> um, um, I hope I'm not putting you in the spot here, but we'll figure you here's like I guess the last couple of years in particular. Is there are there a couple of guys we might see here in Sugarland? Um, that you've got to interact, whether it's in spring training or going out to Corpus Christi or whatever, that you know you think fans will really come to love and adore out here uh, at Constellation Field. Ooh, this is a good question. Okay, let's think, because there there's been some great ones, and I know y'all missed out kind of on a year that you probably would have had like Forrest Whitley if y'all mm-hmm. had been um, the AAA affiliate last year. You know, just talent yeah. wise, there's some really um, talented guys that are going to come through, and some pitchers that. Oh my gosh, there's some fun, some fun pictures. Even though, you know, what's funny is like what a, the AAA team last year obviously wouldn't have been you guys just yet, but that would have been a strong team. However, everyone yeah. kept getting hurt, so they all ended up right. <laughs> so that would have been one of those years where you know, if you were in Double A AA or Triple A, you're like, wait a minute, don't take him yet. Like we haven't even gotten him. <laughs> um, like Anoli and and Javier, like all those guys probably uh-huh. would have started in Triple A and, and and gone on. Okay, so let's think. Um, so Pedro Leon is a, is a big prospect and I, I've only listened to him talk once and I've heard a lot about him from the front office and, um, he is legit. And so, um, that is guy, I don't know if he'll start at AAA, but will be in AAA, um, probably very soon. Get, get excited. I mean, that's a player that we're all excited about. And then Jeremy Pena, another guy that, that is going to be so much fun to watch and see what they do with him and how they work with him. Um, let's see. I know you're, you're, I'm trying to think of who's not going to be at the, on the big league club now. Yeah, I'm interested hard. to see what they do. You know, <laughs> outfield depth is, is what we feel kind of low at the big league level. So I'm wondering what kind of guys are going to get a real opportunity in AAA and, and what they do there. They might be moving some guys around, you know, it's like, sure. that's where they, that's where we start having fun. Like, who yeah. are we going to put at different positions? So I might be calling you guys. I'm like, okay, right. where's Taylor Jones <laughs> playing today? Because, because <laughs> he might get a chance up here doing that. Um, let's see. I don't know. 
Let me get back to you. Yeah, no, that, I think even Pedro Leon and Jeremy Pena, like those are two guys we're excited I mean, about. Yeah, and- you're not gonna. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a good, good group. And like I said, there's some really exciting arms too that we're starting to learn a little bit more about here in spring training. I've got um, Steve Sparks and Robert Ford do the radio, and they're actually down there and they're getting a chance to see. And I'm getting reports back like, "Ooh, this guy nice. looks good." And um, so yeah, so that's fine. And these these are guys that aren't that are not going to be at the at the big league level to start the year. Um, I think there's a good amount of depth especially in that bullpen um so i would look for yeah they'll they'll be in your ballpark yeah no we're excited and i know that's one of the cool things now that we are the triple a team is like astros fans who maybe have never seen jeremy Pena play live you know they weren't able to get they'll be able to drive 20 minutes or whatever however far they live from the stadium uh so that's 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 pretty cool and that's that I'm, i'm glad you brought up those names um kind of the last one i wanted to ask you here was i mean you're your relationship with the Astros fans is is an, uh, phenomenal. I mean, even on Wikipedia, I saw your nickname is Mrs. Astros. So, like, I wanted to know, like, oh what? Gosh, who wrote that? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's we're going to conspicuously see it disappear after this interview. <laughs> I bet. Um, but uh, what what makes you like want to interact with the fans so much, and, and why is that so important to you? And when also, yeah. what makes this fan base so special in particular? Oh my gosh, I love this fan base. Um, when I, I was born in Houston, but, um, I, you know, coming back, it's a, it can be an intimidating city. Um, it's a, cause I hadn't lived there since I was probably four years old. So it's, it's just a, it's a big city. It's, it's a fan base that I knew going in was a very good one. However, like I said, when I showed up, it was, uh, you know, tough times. The team wasn't very good. There wasn't a ton of people in the ballpark, but the people that were, we're, we're still intent with like a Valentine with the mustache. And um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's heartbreaking to think that, that we won't see them again, but yeah. there's familiar faces is my point. And um, because of the season ticket holders, they, they come every year and, and not only are they just going to, to enjoy their baseball game, they, they want to be, you know, they want to include you. Um, they were quick to reach out to me, like introduce themselves to me. I mean, it's just such a family friendly environment. Um, and it, it was when I started and then, you know, people started showing up and people started watching every night because the team started to get better and better. And Twitter was a a really positive place for me. And it's not always like that, especially for, for females in general, doesn't have to be on TV or, or anything, but I mean, social media can be a scary place and, and get kind of dark. But for me, it was very positive. And and we built this positive family on social media, you know, and it was just, it was my way to interact and my way to, it's my way to be a fan. I can't, I can't be, you know, my, my mic can't be hot and Jose Altuve hit a home run and I can't be like, yes, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we're calling the game. Right. But I'm having emotions just like fans are because I'm so invested. So I would, you know, I would portray that through social media and I would take pictures and I would, and I know how much people love their Strohs and how much they love a George Springer and a Jose Altuve. So I would make sure to take pictures of things that were happening and to share them. And I'm quick about it. And it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. You know, it's, it's what brings us all together. And it's, and you know, it's, it's just fun. And so, yeah, this, this fan base is, is it means everything to me now. I mean, I, I do feel like I'm family. I'm so thankful for the way that everyone brought me in in the beginning because they didn't, they didn't have to love me from the beginning. And they, and you know, there's probably some out there that don't, <laughs> but I'm only here to, to bring you stories of your favorite team. Like that's all I want to do is, is bring you, uh, you know, stuff that you wouldn't have seen if I wasn't there, or, you know, just be the eyes and the ears and, and to just bring joy at the end of the day. You know, you had a long day at work. Um, 
whatever's going on in your life, you can turn on at seven o'clock and, and we're, we're just going to have some fun and, and watch the, the Astros beat the Rangers, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. it's just, I mean, that's what it's all about. And so, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you even saying any of that or asking the question. Cause I, I love to send more love to <laughs> Astros fans. And I know those fans are in Sugarland and I know they're at Skeeter's games too. You know, at, at, once you're, you're a baseball fan and you're in the Houston area, like we're all family. So this is, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the partnership too and, and getting to know some more of the Skeeters fans as well. Well, we love it. And we're, we're super thankful for you and thankful for joining uh, the podcast as our first guest. Um, like, so we couldn't think of someone better to kind of get the ball thank rolling you. on this project. Yeah. And yeah, thank you so much, Julia. And we look forward to seeing you here at Constellation Field this year. Save me some tickets. <laughs> All right. That was Julia Morales. <laughs> we'll be back here in just a moment. And that was really awesome. Just getting the, the chance to talk to Julia Morales, such a, a fixture amongst the Astros community and getting to ask her questions just about her, her personal life as well. I mean, she just had a kid and fostering dogs and her time at the University of Texas. Uh, I mean, that I really enjoyed that. Hope you guys will as well. Uh, Brandon, what was something that you took away from that interview? Probably the biggest thing that jumped out at me. How did you not press her on anything <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles related? Thank you just you. let her. Yeah, Thank you. You let her mention April and then just nothing followed from it. Um, I think you need to re-educate yourself on the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 90s uh, era. I try to laugh my way through it. I, I, I'm i aware of what the Ninja Turtles are, and I, if I told you I knew who April was before the interview started... Besides I'd the be, month? I'd be lying. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be lying. <laughs> but I think that, and just in general, I, I wanted to ask her, because, I mean, I... I have a journalism degree from college and I just like to know where it came from. And it was not from a cartoon for me. So to know that like, that's what spurred her on. And yes, I, my millennia was superly showing there in, in that part. But to be honest with you, Julia is probably the person, like the more she was talking, I think Troy, when he sent me a text about it, he was like, dude, you just want her to be your friend. And like, yeah. it's so true. Everything she's talking about, unbelievably re relatable. Like, I mean, just, very insightful, down to earth. She's somebody that you want to hang around with all the time. I literally want her to be a friend. I hope she's a fixture on the show. I really do. Yeah, she's very uh, in tune with what's going on down here. Very, you know, excited to be a part of the family here, uh, having us be a part of the family. And um, you know, and that's that's one. Of, that's a good point, Brandon, because really, she's someone who's broadcasted into the homes of millions of people, and to have something so relatable as. Oh yeah, I I got into journalism because of the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That yeah. that that like itself is just something that's so cool, and I think that just speaks to her personality in general. I loved when you were asking her questions about like her reporting, etc. So much of it was driven by what she thought the fans wanted to hear, not necessarily like the news and the information you wanted to hear, but how she goes about tracking the stories, etc. What would be interesting to the fan? She's somebody that definitely cares about them and i don't know how often you can say about that about a reporter about anybody they don't really care necessarily what you think but she's somebody totally the opposite i think that's why everybody loves her because they know that if they meet her if they see her she's not just gonna blow you off yeah she is a person of the fans and i can tell you i got the chance to meet her personally we did this call over zoom but she's working on a story that's going to be aired on AT&T Sportsnet Southwest regarding the Skeeters, and I, it was just a joy to get to meet her in person. She, What you see is what you get, and, and uh, so happy she agreed to become our first guest on this podcast. That interview made me happy. When we come back here, we're going to end the first ever episode of this podcast with a little happy hour. You're listening to Down in Sugarland. All right, guys, let's end the show on a happy note, and we are going to introduce the segment called Happy Hour, and it's pretty simple. We're just going to talk about stuff that makes us happy. And uh, 
Brandon, why don't you lead us off here? What makes you happy? I think one of my favorite things in the world is fresh bed sheets. Right out of the dryer, you put them on, do whatever it is to wrap up your night. But the minute you climb into that bed, it's absolutely heavenly. There's That's the one of those simplest things for me that's instant happy. I'm happy every time with fresh bed sheets. Do you rub your face on the sheets too, to let, like just to absorb the warmth? I, I do the starfish. Every corner of the bed, and I just soak it all up, man. It's one of those things where... It's the warmth from the dryer, and it just somehow stays trapped with all of your, like, comforter, everything on top of it. One of the happiest things for me. Well, yeah, it, it's a mission. You got the, the spongy sheet. You got, I mean, making your bed can be a trek, and so it's, like, kind of like the reward at the end of it. Like, you're going to get nice, warm sheets. You got to also time it, like, where you have them out of the dryer at, like, 1030, so you're ready to go into bed right after about the dryer. Now, are you somebody who makes the bed every day? Uh, No, absolutely not. Troy? I would like to say yes, but no. I make my bed every single day. But I love them. I love a, a bed that's made. Like I, I'm not like I'm not against it. It's just it's one of those things that kind of eludes me. I'm with you on that, but at the same time, there's a difference between getting into a made bed every day and then getting into a made bed that has fresh sheets. It's just the cherry on top. I completely agree. But also, um, I gotta point out that Ryan said spongy sheets. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know what spongy sheets. Well, are. like those ones with like the the sponged edges, like where you gotta like wrap it around. Like that's not easy to do. Elastic. Sure. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that is a different than a sponge. Yeah. That's no. such a good point. I don't know how I missed that I, part. I don't know either. I just just popped out of me. I I'm so down with the idea that like yes, like going into bed like. At night, like when it's not made like that, it you, there is a certain like level of like comfort you lose by not having a made bed you, you crawl into. That's why I do it. They say statistically, people who make their bed are happier. It's because well, you get in a nice made bed. And this is happy hour. Brandon, you want to make me happy? Go home, going home, and my two dogs. Like they, I know this is kind of like a cliche, but my two dogs, like the look I get from them when I come home, like it literally melts my heart every day. I've had my I've had my dog Arlie for. Five years now, uh, Benny we rescued, had him for about a year and a half. Like five years later, though, like the look I get from my dog when I walk home, it's like, just like, oh, you are like, you are the cool. Uh, it's like Jay Z walked through the door. Like, I mean, they, they don't know who me from Jay Z, but like, I, I, I'm I'm the coolest guy they've ever seen in their life. So I have two dogs as well. That you're exactly right. My favorite is it doesn't matter what state of mind I walk in that door. They're just it's a party every time to see me. Like, yeah, dude, you're home, and they're just wagging their tails. You're right. It's an instant happy greeting every time you see it. Yeah, like you could be having like a not so good day, but like your dogs are like, hey, like I don't care what your day was like. I demand your happiness right now because my tail's wagging and I want to go outside. I want to walk. Throw me a tennis ball. What's amazing is they'll do it every single time, but I can walk into that door to a human being that lives with me and it's not as ever as happy as the dogs are to see me. It'll never be equated. And like, the funniest part too is sometimes like my garage door won't shut. So I have to like go pull my car out, go back through the garage, close the door, throw like the garage, walk back to the front door. Long story short, I've, I hadn't seen them in like 35 seconds. <laughs> and it, it was like I was gone for five hours. Like they lose their mind, dude. Dogs are one of the greatest gifts we have. Uh, I'm a big fan of having a dog and also rescuing dogs. Well, I'm going to plug that. Both of mine are rescues, dude. Absolutely. Off the streets. Well. Yep. Big, big fan of rescuing dogs in this, these parts. Troy, what makes you happy? Um, 
I would like to say that I rescue dogs, but I've, I've never rescued dogs before. So I'm going to go with applesauce. Um, you know, when it's really cold out, I like to just put in a, a nice cup of applesauce in the microwave, heat it up for about 45 seconds, and then the kicker, add a couple Red Hots to the applesauce, little little cinnamon hard crunch Ooh. candy into it. I've Sounds really weird. This. You barbarian. You. Wait, how did you come across this? Okay, so there was one time in elementary school where we had to make applesauce, and for some reason, one of the uh, things that you can add to the applesauce was Red Hots. And I don't know if this is actually a thing, but I mean, it's it's cinnamon hard candy, so I'd assume like applesauce and cinnamon. That's you know they go hand in hand. So. I think if anything, you gave somebody a life hack on beyond that because that's something. I love applesauce. I love apples. Apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? I I'm all about Dude, that cliche. I got made fun of um, in Houston. We had a, a double hurricane barreling down on us. That was last August, I believe, in 2020. And we, me and my girlfriend went to the store, and we were thinking of things to buy. And I grabbed two like large containers of applesauce, and she made fun of me. She's like, "Why are you buying apples?" I'm like, "Hey, it doesn't go bad. It's great. It's like a nice little <laughs> sweet treat." And we still have them. They're not opened yet. But every <laughs> every time I open the pan, she's like, oh, the applesauce is still there. <laughs> like, yeah. I stand by that purchase. I stand by it. It's still good until 2022. So I got plenty of time to eat it. And it's it's a great, nice little sweet filler. Hey, it man, goes along. Bring it to my house. Uh, there we go. Red Hot it. Is it spicy? No. I mean, unless you think Red Hots are spicy. It's like hot to my- I don't know if you've had Red Hots. Honestly, like it's not like a super popular candy these days. It's like a movie candy, though, right? Like, yeah. That so you know what a hot, tam- you know, hot tamales. Yeah, it's like it tastes like that, but it's like a hard little candy, <laughs> uh, a hard little candy that you could put like six or seven in your mouth at one time. I that's an amazing. One. I'm gonna have to try it now that you have those just large cans of applesauce at your house. Yeah, next podcast we should bring them in here and I have try red it out. Hats. Oh, I there's think a microwave well, in the kitchen. I think that's a good idea. Wow. I mean, you don't have to do the microwave thing, but as far as if it's cold, like it's like a warm applesauce, like it feels fresh. I do the applesauce, you know, that's like in the little pouch thing that you like, you can just twist the top off and like squeeze. A, like uh, it's like a go gurt okay. of like applesauce. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. You're not? Why I, not? I need it in a cup. I'm, I'm a traditionalist. You can't. Okay, apparently, you, you didn't really? grow up this, in the uh, 90s, yeah. 2000s. This might, this might be, yeah, <laughs> this did. is a weird opinion, but I need it in a cup. I need to be Mott's in a cup. Or don't give me it at all. I've, I'm going to be honest. I never had applesauce in a in a pouch, but I mean, I'm not opposed. I it's so it's the new thing at H E B. You can get two for a dollar, and I know that because I get it every day. It's my little afternoon snack. Every day, every day, dude. I'm telling you, I have an apple when I wake up, and then I have applesauce in the afternoon every day. How do you think I have such great hair? <laughs> <laughs> dude, you're right. Apple day keeps the what? <laughs> the hair beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. Wow, that is great advice. Well. That concludes our happy hour segment. Hopefully you guys can maybe manifest some of these happy thoughts we have into some happy moments in your own life. That is it for this weekend down in Sugar Land. Next week, we have the seven-time Cy Award winner, former Houston Astros right-hander Roger Clemens is going to join the podcast. Make sure to rate, subscribe, review wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Down in Sugar Land.